0: to offend a podcast that explores people who rose to offend in society and their legacy today i'm your host petra Spych, and this week we begin the story of james randy aka the amazing randy a magician, or as he preferred to be called, a conjurer, who broke many of Harry Houdini's escaped act records, toured with music legend Alice Cooper, and in his later days famously exposed the work of many so-called faith healers, spirit channelers, and con men who used magic as a means of being supernatural to prey on innocent people. One of the leading skeptics of a generation and using his talents of visual deception to teach instead of manipulate and being coined to the world as an honest lie liar. liar. Born August 7th, 1928 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada his love for conjuring would begin at a very young age in a tragic personal circumstance
1: Some people cannot believe that a magician can fool them in such a way that they can't figure it out but magicians can and magicians do swindlers do con men do all the time They're not magicians, they're fakes. They're lying to us, they're deceiving us. It's okay to fool people, as long as you're doing that to teach them a lesson, which will better their knowledge of how the real world works. No matter how smart or well-educated you are, you can be deceived.
0: And with me, as always, Brandon Guton and Jocelyn Sharp. So James Randy was born Randall Zving on August 7th, 1928 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, he was the oldest of three children. His father was a hardworking man, but very distant, according to Randy. He stated he only remembers having two conversations with him, but he did have a close relationship to his paternal grandfather.
1: You see, I had a very good teacher. My paternal grandfather, who long ago left us for what he believed would be a far greater adventure, was very important to me as I grew up. He cared a lot. He looked on lying as a grave infraction of proper social behavior, though I will tell you that on one occasion and only one, I deliberately lied to him. I visited him as he was in his last hours, and he asked me if. I thought that he was going to meet my grandmother, who had died a few years earlier. I told him that yes, he probably would, though I had no such delusion at all. He just smiled. Whether or not he believed me, I'll never know. But I did this to possibly bring him a bit of comfort in his last moments. I have no regrets about that at all.
0: Now, at a very young age, he had a severe bicycle accident as like as a teenager and was in a body cast for 13 months, so almost a full year, doctors told him that he would never walk again at this age. And during this time in a body cast, he would read many books on conjuring or magic tricks and learn things as he was stuck, not able to go anywhere.
1: Well, I must admit that Mr. Geller has amazed me this time with his assumption that the American public is going to be impressed by two simple tricks, which, when I was a kid, frankly, used to be on the back of cornflake boxes. At summer camp, we used to do the old compass trick to impress the new campers. Sometimes you're impressed, sometimes they weren't. And, of course, it's not necessary to say, move, move, and grunt and groan, unless you have some sort of a digestive problem. And I'm certainly not going to take off my shirt afterwards, because after Mr. Geller took off his shirt, you notice he didn't make the compass needle move again? Watch this, it's very simple. Hey, move, compass needle, and it moves. How easy can you get? Now, he also plays God with radish seeds, some sort of a silly thing in his hand. I have here a package of radish seeds. These didn't come from Italy or Germany. These came from Kmart, just down the street, as a matter of fact. (laughs) And nothing could be simpler. Now, if I had a 12-year-old student of magic, and the 12-year-old student wasn't able to hide in here someplace one germinated seed, oh, look, look, every time I do this, I'm amazed. I just don't know how it works. Look at this not terribly surprising now ladies and gentlemen if a 12 year old child tried to do this and then tell people he was god because he could do it i'd send him to his room without supper but let's give him a chance shall we mr geller has said that he's going to produce miracles for us i can hardly wait
0: so after returning to school by the age of 17 walking again beating those odds and getting out of his body cast he was very antsy so he returned to school but he would always skip school And one day he skipped school and saw the performance of a magician by the name of Harry Blackstone Sr. This one performance changed his life. He immediately dropped out of school at the age of 17 and started performing as a conjurer at a carnival roadshow. And again, conjurer is just another term that we're used to as magician.
1: My father only really spoke to me twice in my whole life, calling me aside, sitting me down and having a discussion. We did that twice during my life. I was surprised both times. I was pretty well educated on my own. The local education system in Toronto, Canada actually allowed me to stay out of grade school, only going in there to take the tests. I was free to wander around Toronto, and I found the casino theater on Queen Street. I saw the great Blackstone advertised. I'd never seen a magician before in my whole life. Harry Blackstone walked out on stage and did wonderful things that I had never dreamed could be done. He had this young lady walk out from the side of the stage and he cast her into a trance and he said, Princess Astra, rise. She floated up into the air and I looked very carefully and I could not see any means whereby she could be suspended in the air and caused to move in the air. That was wonderful. I was transfixed. How could the man do such a thing? I determined at that moment I was going to become a professional magician. And so, at 17, I decided I wouldn't graduate from high school. I left home and... uh, I joined the carnival. I never went home again. So guys, at 17, he left his home and school
0: to be able to travel and be a magician. How important was him being in a body
2: cast and thought to be paralyzed for his future to start so early. Back in those days kids left to join the circus all the time. Education was still important. They weren't they weren't saying that it they didn't devalue it, but at the same time though, like there was so much more to do out there because there wasn't it wasn't the rat race that it is now.
3: Well, and I think that probably him being told he wouldn't walk and then being told that he would walk again probably fed into this kind of magic, like special, like magicians think they're special kind of thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> like he's, and it, what else are you going to do when you're like alone? You're going to find something that you're interested in. And at this time, it's not like there's anything else, but what is ever set in front of you to study. I was born
1: at a very early age in log cabin to help my father build. By the time I was seven, I was 11. I grew up very fast. I am a magician. I always have been a magician. A conjurer, a prestidigitator, ledger to manis, liar, cheat, charlatan, and fake. <laughs> a good magician needs to be a little bit of a con man, I think. He needs okay. to be sort of a criminal type, but not have enough guts to actually rob banks.
2: Yeah, the guy had a lot of time on his hands. What are you gonna do? You're you're completely immobile. There's no TV. There's no internet. All you got is books. I just want to know how the hell he was able to hold the book in his hand if he had like a body cast. Was his were, her, were his arms like was he like a, a starfish? Where
3: like they must have been like uh, some nurse held it in front of his that's face. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> how did that face.
2: happen? Yeah, like maybe they put the book in front of his face and he turned it with his
3: nose. They like, just that's opened what I it know. up and laid it on his face. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so could you pull it back just an inch?
1: <laughs> this is the tomb of French spiritualist. Alan Kardec in 1856 Kardec wrote the book of spirits which became the Bible of spiritualism he believed in reincarnation and was the first to define poltergeists since his death Kardec has become the object of fanatical hero worship as his flower-covered grave attests to this day people come to Kardec's tomb like that woman over there hoping they can contact his spirit which leads us to the grave of another man whose name has become associated with the spirit world, Italian painter, Amadeo Modigliani. One of Kardec's disciples, a Brazilian medium named Gasparetto, claims to be in touch with Modigliani today. Halfway around the globe in Brazil, one of the most fertile areas for paranormal activity in the world, Gasparetto claims Modigliani is still able to paint through his hands, 70 years after the artist's death. Is Gasparetto really communicating with Modigliani? Are these paintings truly the work of a departed master? Or is Gasparetto a talented forger passing off his own art as that of Modigliani?
3: My thing with James Rainey is I... I Everything I've read about him and learned about him in his life makes me feel like he was abused as a child, um, and so. But in this time period, it was very common for children to be abused. Yeah. So a lot of the time, they were running away to join the military or you know get a job or to the big city because they were running away from abuse. And part of me feels like uh, the accident had nothing to do with him leaving, and it and his abuse as a child probably had everything to do with
0: leaving. It's, and that's fair speculation, but very are, speculation. We are just speculating on yes. that, but it's it's a fair assessment obviously it's not something that people from that generation openly talked about in
2: a lot of ways it wasn't prevalent back yeah in those so
3: people were like mind your business like physical abuse was so common i mean you disciplining your children was just physical abuse yeah.
2: together
1: at the beach one day we found a very old wallet containing two one dollar bills and a faded identity card for some chap named Foster. as i expected my granddad wrapped that wallet up, and mailed it off to the address we'd found inside. Two weeks later, it came back with a notification informing us that the owner had moved and had left no forwarding address. Grandpa simply extracted the two dollars and stuck them into a book on the bookshelf. We reluctantly discarded the wallet. Well, the next Sunday morning, I answered the door to find a lady there asking if we would contribute to a worthy charity. Grandpa lit up and retrieved the two dollars from the bookshelf. He handed them to the lady, and as she thanked him, he shook his head. No, 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 that's not mine, he said. It's from Mr. Foster. I'm sure he's glad it's been put to such a good use. It's the way to go, folks. The world turns a little more smoothly. you are just a bit richer, and someone, someplace, may very well notice your good deed and resolve to follow suit. That way, we're all better off. Won't you do something for Mr. Foster? By
0: 1946, he was at the age of 18 and he was a professional stage magician and more famously an escapologist. By his 30s, he was traveling the world as the amazing Randy. And while traveling the UK, Philippines and across Japan, he witnessed many magic tricks performed and viewed as supernatural acts. So this is the first time he really started seeing people would use the talent that he created and he studied and pretending that it was
4: real. Randy had this sense of trying to be bigger than life. And the easiest way to be bigger than yourself is to lie. Mentalism can be a deal with the devil. It's an incredibly seductive feeling for someone to imbue you with that power. It's a very tempting thing. Then you have to make a decision. Are you the sort of person that will look someone in the eye And even though you have got no idea what their
1: future holds, you're prepared to tell them something that isn't true, that may harm them, just to move money from their wallet into yours. You do not have that influence and power as a magician. You have it the moment you deny you're a magician.
4: I know that surge of power that you feel when you use a cheap trick to manipulate someone else into thinking you have powers that you don't have. And I think it's very much to the good of the world that when Randy felt that power, he backed away from it. And out of that feeling of that power uh, came a rage. So as a magician, you are
0: aware that you are tricking and deceiving an audience. When someone is using your tricks and selling it as truth... Is there a duty to expose them or does that hurt you professionally? Now keep in mind, Harry Houdini was very vocal about exposing this exact thing.
2: I think personally, if there, there's, there's, It depends on the type of person you are. If you have any kind of integrity whatsoever, then yes, you do the Harry Houdini route and you expose it. But if you're looking for a quick buck and looking to take advantage of so many simple minded individuals out there that are just searching for something to believe in, then you do it. You just got to have no soul.
1: I was 21 years of age when I predicted the outcome of that year's World Series. And it was good for me. It moved me up a peg, but it also had some fallout. People would stop me in the street, literally, and start to ask personal questions, family questions and such, that they thought I could answer. And even offering me money to predict whether the husband that the girl had chosen was the right one, that was quite a comeuppance for me because I realized, you know, people really do believe this nonsense.
3: I think that there's it would hurt your career more if you allowed people to start to sell your show as Truth like that because I don't think that I think that it, you don't want people walking through the doors thinking that you want people walking through the doors knowing that it's entertaining, you know. And then as they when they start to really believe in it, it becomes a different thing.
1: When I introduced myself as a magician, I used to say to my owners, "Good evening. My name is the Great Randall. I'm a liar, a cheat, and a charlatan. I will blatantly lie to you, but for purposes of entertainment only, of course." And those lies may not be discernible from the truth. In any way that the fact
0: that Randy did not expose these people in the 30s or in the 40s, is, in any way, does that say anything about him?
3: I mean, he was obviously very passionate about magic, escapism, mentalism. So maybe he was really just trying to keep his head down and continue to try and hold on to what career he was building. And then there became a point where he knew that that was going to hurt his career, and he had to say something.
2: That's a good point because this is entertainment we're talking about, and, and- you don't want to burn your bridges.
5: He loves magic. He's been his whole life as a performer as magician. So he really resents anyone applying the techniques of magic for any purpose other than entertainment especially to convince people that there's something psychic going on there, he thinks that's an abomination He ignored these supernatural people and focused
0: on his career and attempted to break many of like Harry Houdini's records as we mentioned. He did
1: do one on national TV and this is where he started to get known If I can, as sure of the world, the real world around me, as is possible Now, you can only attain that to a certain degree but I want the greatest degree of control. I don't I've never involved myself in narcotics of any kind, I don't smoke, I don't drink, because that can easily just fuzz the edges of my rationality, fuzz the edges of my reasoning powers, and I want to be as aware as I possibly can. That means uh, giving up a lot of uh, fantasies that might be comforting in some ways, but I'm willing to give that up. In order to live in an actually real world, as close as I can get to it.
0: By the 60s, he was more catered to young people, like most magicians were. So they try to, to sell him to, like, children and children's shows. Like, he had a show called The
4: Amazing Randy Show. They're actually sort of giant cons in their own sense, right? But they're cons on the right side. This is what it means to be an honest liar. It's the difference between using deception to conceal the truth... And using deception to reveal the truth.
0: By the late 60s and the early 70s, many people considered Randy to be the greatest escape artist of all time. He did famously escape being hung above Niagara Falls. He escaped a straitjacket on national TV, and that was a very... Huge act, but also he's risking everything, including his life and limb at the age of almost 50 now, to do an act like that.
1: For the astrology test, each student was given a detailed horoscope. They were told it was drawn up by a professional based on information they had supplied about when and where they were born.
6: Oh, What a surprise!
1: They had all received the same horoscope. The personality descriptions were generally true of everyone, like, recently you have had to recover from a disappointment, and there were others that anyone might hope would be true. You have a great deal of unused capacity. People like to believe certain things are true, and they like to fall for very specific, absolutely enormously accurate horoscopes
0: right Right. of course they are risking everything including your life and being hung over niagara falls and performing an escape act mentally why do you feel he needed to perform that
2: at over 40 years old oh dude it's all about going bigger and badder than anybody else you want to be the best you want to be the best and then on top of that with him with him not tricking the meek into going hey uh, sure I, i know i know god and that's why i can make this shit float Instead of doing it like that, he's like, look, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to perform an old trick that you've seen a thousand times before, but the, the, the factor that that death could happen. And of course, that's whenever the, whenever there's danger, someone's going to watch.
1: Well, the thought naturally occurred to me that I could base a good deal of my life on Harry Houdini and his adventures, perhaps do some of the things that he had done, and perhaps even improve on them. I wanted to break his records. I wanted to stay in a sealed metal coffin longer than he did, get out of a straitjacket faster than he did, out of chains, out of leg irons and handcuffs, I said, if a man could make it, I could break it. But it's when some of the things like hanging over in Niagara Falls in a straitjacket at, at 20 below zero that gets your attention. This is show business, the showmanship. That's one respect in which I based a good deal of my efforts on what Houdini had done. He had done it by trial and error, and I benefited from his example.
3: Well, part of these death-defying acts that the, the people that love Houdini and magic and all of these things, that the thing is, the more death-defying, the more honorable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's pushing the envelope because it really solidifies his legitimacy as an artist almost, you know? And I think that he probably is chasing after... We all do this. All, all people who, who have creative endeavors do this, where you chase after the accolades or the uh, career status of your heroes. That is what you're working towards, And unfortunately, we're human, so we don't have that perspective. So we never feel like we get there. So we're constantly pushing ourselves until we're pushing past our heroes. And even then, that's not good enough.
5: What you've presented me
4: today is evidence that this can be misused or abused, but you have not convinced me that there is nothing to this. Oh, no, no. I didn't intend to do that. Okay. And, and I feel that your exercise today was kind of cynical and one-sided, and somehow it is wise to be um, unbelieving in this Well, sort of I
1: can't thing. prove it doesn't work. And, I can never prove it doesn't I've work. And I've seen
4: it a lot of times where intellectuals have had, have wanted to disprove mystical things because since it didn't fit into their framework of beliefs, That's they, true. they wouldn't allow it.
1: But I can't prove to you that Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> I really can't. I can't disprove anything. I can't prove a negative. But I can show you that it's not very likely to be true.
2: That's the best I can do. And on top of that, too, it is the 60s. Again, there was only three television, three or four television stations. So everybody watched the same stuff. The second every, the second the world saw that happen, he became an international phenomenon. And it was. And so the
0: risk versus the return was actually level on a lot of, a lot of people's eyes for someone like him.
1: This actually was invented more than half a century ago by the late, great Harry Houdini. I was asked to do a show honoring Harry Houdini. I'm going to immerse myself inside the can. My body will displace some of the water. The water will be filled right to the very top, and the lid will be locked on. And uh, I was going to do the milk can. Now, this is rehearsal, maybe 20 minutes before airtime. And I tried to perform the escape. I couldn't get out of the milk can. Something had jammed and I heard a crackling noise. Now, though, as he's getting older, he did try to perform an
0: escaped act. um, And this was him submerging himself in a milk can and two of his vertebrae broke while getting pushed into this milk can during a rehearsal on TV. He almost died in this uh, accident because he had to sit in there for 20 minutes and with all this pain in the milk can. This was at 55 years old, so he officially had to retire from doing these escape acts and all those things. So his career,
1: at this point, had to change. It turned out there was a couple of my vertebrae that had been chipped, and the pain was rather considerable, to say the least. I was in deep trouble. I knew that if I panicked, I'd I'd be dead. Soldiers to it, so you don't panic. I had to let myself sink back into the water, and I was uh, in a bit of trouble. Finally, I heard the noises that they were doing the padlocks, and I roared up out of the water, and there I was. I had been saved. It was a close call. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the amazing Randy. I came back from the hospital, and I was introduced down near the end of the show on a stretcher. I have just returned from the hospital and they tell me that I have a double compression fracture of the vertebrae and it's not something I recommend you undertake as a hobby. It, it wasn't a great blow to me. And I was at the point where I thought that maybe it was time to get out of this business. His
0: career had to change. He could not do these acts anymore. He wasn't healthy or young enough, so he wanted to focus on all the faith healers that were coming out of time, the psychics, the telepathy, and others who were using magic tricks that he has perfected for the last 30 to 40 years as a form to manipulate people.
6: And Randy, you've been going around the country somewhat as Houdini used to in the past, trying to debunk those who say that it's psychic power. You say it's magic.
1: Well, Barbara, you see, in what you said just now, there's something rather revealing to me, because you say that he's been tested by the scientists at the Stanford Research Institute. First of all, Stanford Research Institute is not connected in any way with Stanford University, though it happens to be on the grounds. It takes its name from its its locality. And the Stanford Research Institute, as an institute, did not test Uri Geller. Two scientists there whose specialty is lasers, nothing to do with psychology, nothing to do with conjuring, certainly, whose specialty is lasers, went through some private tests with a regular under anything but test conditions. And since then, the psychology department down there, and I've read this in one of the psychological journals, has tested him, gave him a hundred envelopes that he was supposed to guess the contents of, and he failed each and every one of the hundred.
0: Why do you feel, guys, that he decided this approach and became a professional skeptic and defrauder of other magicians?
2: After his career was over. I think this is something that probably ate him up for decades and decades. And then finally, when he couldn't perform magic anymore, when he couldn't make a living anymore, he's like, you know what? I'm already old. Fuck it! I'm taking them all down.
3: Yeah, I think it's the I can't. If I can't have her, no one will. Yeah. Gene, you know, it's the it's the if I'm not going to be able to do it, I'm going to show you guys exactly what it is that you've been buying into, and and if you're going to do what I want to do, and you have an ability, and especially if you're doing it on a lesser level than me, then I'm going to take you down.
4: Hi, my name is Gillette. This is my partner Teller. We're Pen and Teller. Randy is a great man. Randy is a wise man. Randy is a fair man. Randy is spending a lot of time having an open mind and investigating these nuts. He hears them out. He tests them. We are wise guys. We are snotty, condescending, self-righteous, and holier than now. We have the luxury of not having to be fair. We know that you know that all this age stuff is bunk. It was bunk a hundred years ago. It's bunk now. But... How can you make a buck off it? Here's a neat little trick that you can use to exploit these newage airheads. If you take the round hole of a key and press it hard against your finger or thumb for a little while, you'll get a pale bubble that looks for all the world like a burn blister. And here's the really cool part. After a minute or two, voila! It goes away instant healing <laughs> who would fall for this i think you might know one or two how do you make a buck of
2: it you watch and i also think too as a magician you, you don't want to come out and expose all these other magicians because what happens if they start telling all your tricks you know i think there's there, there might have also been a, a fear in that but now that he doesn't worry about having to do magic tricks anymore, he's like, what do I have to lose? This is something that's been bothering me for way too long. Let's take care of it right now.
0: But in fairness, as a magician that sold himself as a magician or a conjurer or something as an act, he never, ever attacked those people. It was only the people <laughs> that, that said it was real. That's what I'm getting so at. That, that, that,
2: there's a separation, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He never, he never built himself as a follower of Christ or whatever, kind of, or whatever kind of entity he was trying to associate himself with to make sure that he could be involved in that brainwashing of the masses.
7: So why do people persist
8: in uh, ascribing to these systems?
2: That's the big question, of
1: course. And psychologically, that is the most interesting question. I think that people are trying to get some control over their lives. Mm-hmm. By knowing more about themselves, mm-hmm. of course, they get control over their lives. But that's what we're doing, all of us, each and every day of our lives. Whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's a love interest, whether it's health, we're trying to get control of our lives. We're looking for power. And astrology offers you, apparently, a very old and a very easy formula whereby you can do that sort of thing. Well,
3: and it's I think that when you you have to retire as a creative artist due to a tragic accident or something like that that just prevents you from doing what you love, I think that that you know, psychological impotency is very powerful. And, you know, any kind of impotency is powerful to both men and women. I mean, it's not just, and so doing that to your, being in that place, I think probably pushed him over the edge with that anger towards those people because he not only could not do the thing he loved anymore, but people were out there in the world bastardizing the thing that he loved.
0: And with the physical stimulation that he found so much on stage, now he was going to make it mental.
1: But there are those who use magic tricks for more than entertainment. They convince people that what they do is real, that they have special powers. Magical thinking, you know, is a slippery slope. Sometimes it's harmless enough, but other times it's quite dangerous. Personally, I'm opposed to that kind of fakery, so I have no reservations at all about exposing these people and their illusions for what they really are. And by 1972, guys, because
0: of like there was the hippie movement, there's a war going on, there's a lot of drugs being taken in the late 60s, early 70s, spirituality, and there's a new age movement going on, and a lot of that stuff was coming very popular by like 1972.
1: A test of any specific claim is going to depend entirely upon that claim. If you say you can speak to dead people, I've got a whole load of questions I would like to ask certain dead people, answers to which I already have. And the dead people, since they're dead, I don't believe they've got the answers any longer. But if you want to call them up and ask them the questions and come up with the right answer, hey, you could win the million dollars. Many people say they can read minds, they can predict the future, they can interpret dreams and such. Well, it all depends on the specific claim they make. All they have to do is say what they can do, under what circumstances, with what accuracy. And some people have taken literally years. One fellow, a PhD in California, took four and a half years to answer those three questions. And finally, when we got ready to enter into tests with him of remote viewing, as he called it, and he actually gave courses in this at the university in California, uh, he suddenly changed his email address and his telephone number. We haven't been able to reach him since. Isn't that strange? I guess he doesn't need the million dollars. So,
0: 1972, uh, James Randi, the Amazing Randi, would end up going on Johnny Carson, and he would debunk many of the fake psychics and popular New Age and spiritual healers on the Johnny Carson show. And as Brandon was mentioning earlier, Johnny Carson, everybody watched in 1972. It wasn't just like a, a small audience. This, oh, was. Johnny Carson
6: was a god. Yes, uh. huge. James Rand is the author of The Faith Healers, and he's best known as an investigator of psychic and miraculous claims. Would you welcome, please, the amazing Randy.
0: The most famous superstar that he debunked and attacked was a, a man by the name of Uri Geller. Now, he was a self-proclaimed psychic and could do things with his mind. Telepathy, he can bend spoons, he can, he can figure out pictures, and, and Randy knew all these tricks that he was
2: using. And by the way, when you're saying Ben Spoons, it's not like Ben Spoons with two hands. Anyone could do that. He would do this. What he would do is ben he would... bend Spoons r- with his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would hold the spoon in his hand. It was, I mean, it was cool to see, yeah. but he would hold the bottom of the spoon in his hand. And he would do something with his thumb, and then all of a sudden it would start to bend. I mean, it looked cool. I mean, if, I, if it were the 60s, that would blow my goddamn mind. Yeah. Yes. You see, I
7: feel it. It's yes, going. It's getting I loose. It. Yeah. And there's no force at all in my hands. Yes. You're look what's happening. Like There's no force at all. Look, the whole you see it's the becoming whole like plastic. The thing's ready to fall off. It's. It, touch it here where I'm stroking it. There is absolutely that no. That is eerie. <laughs> I have a wisdom tooth. <laughs> if you can see, the metal eerie. is beginning to crack here. It's and, breaking. Yeah. It's, you see it's it, Look, it's be, it. it's becoming. It's, it's like putty wax. you See? Look, and keep keep stroking okay, look at it this. here. You see you the, no, don't, don't. You see, the crack is becoming bigger. Yep. I melt the metal down, so so. Ow. I want it to bend. I just say bend. Yeah, you
1: melted it.
7: You see? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Keep stroking your keys more, and people at home want your watches to start working. Or if there is a radio that is broken, want it to start working. Television broken, just want all those that broken things.
1: What Geller was saying, effectively, was that wanting things could make them so. I felt that claim had to be challenged.
0: And society in the early 70s experienced an ongoing war in Vietnam and a lot of strife in culture and society. Does that help the rise of false prophets and psychics?
3: Uh, Yes. yes.
2: (laughs) Especially with that much loss? Yes.
3: Well, think about right now in this day and age. I mean, I'm a millennial, so I'm, I'm... cop to all the new age we have we have created our own religion millennials we believe in everything from from crystals to cocaine you know yeah. <laughs> like it's everything and it, it it kind of happens you see this a lot in very tumultuous times in culture like we're having a very tumultuous time right now so people are grasping onto anything that makes them feel comfort and positive and this is one of those times very much so one of the very Uh, Even still to this day, one of the most memorable times, most tumultuous times in our country where people were so divided that they were just reaching out for comfort. And
0: spirituality is tied to peace in a lot of
5: ways, to a lot of people. In 1972, I got a call from Colonel Austin Kibler of the Defense Department, then acting head of ARPA, as it was called, Advanced Research Projects Agency. He says, could you drop everything you're doing and go to Stanford Research Institute? There's a psychic down here And if he can do what they claim he can do, we ought to be involved, because the Russians have a big program now going, using what they call sci-warfare. This film describes a five-week
4: investigation conducted at Stanford Research Institute with Uri Geller, a young Israeli. Here we present a case of a double-blind experiment in which someone places an object into a can chosen at random from 10 aluminum cans Geller's task now is to determine which of these 10 cans holds the steel ball bearing. He has made his choice. The steel ball is found.
0: Now, let's bring let's stop for a second and just talk about our society. Our society has maybe always will desire to believe in more spiritual things and ignore science. Why do you feel people choose this? Is it because they are manipulated or is it because of comfort, the comfort of
2: life and tragedy. It's comfort and the reason why they do that is because that at least gives somewhat of an explanation to things that can't be explained. And I think when people are searching for answers and then all of a sudden a book comes along and goes, oh, this is what happens when you die. And this is what happens. It's, it's, all you're doing is just searching for a reason to believe and then you find other people that believe in the same stuff and now all of a sudden you have a culture. Now all of a sudden you have a community.
1: And then, of course, there was Mr. Geller's appearance on the tonight show i got a call after they booked him
6: to appear would you welcome please uri geller
1: (laughs) johnny had been a magician himself and was skeptical i was asked to help prevent any trickery
6: nice to see you thanks we uh, we this, have only met. This scares me. This, this scares you? Well, this yeah. is ju- we just got some things together here. And I told I said,
1: them to provide their own props and not to let Yeller or to his people anywhere uh, near them. Also,
6: one of our staff members uh, did some drawings which have been sealed in an envelope, uh, and I'd like you to take your own pace when you feel like you want to try anything. Right. Do you want to try that particular uh, experiment first?
7: When I'll feel free.
6: When okay? you? Mm-hmm. Sure.
7: We'll start eliminating the ones that do not have the water.
6: All right, without touching them.
7: He is really suspicious, you (laughs) know. I'm having a hard time with you.
6: I I don't mean to be, Yuri. I really don't.
7: Just just keep looking. Okay, let me rest a little, all right? All right. Um, You know, I'm surprised because before this program, your producer came and he read me at least 40 questions you're going to ask me.
6: Well, I can ask you all kinds of questions if you like. If you'd like me to ask you questions. I
7: have to have time.
6: uh, um... it we are back. Your Uri was telling me you 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 don't feel what strong tonight. I feel strong. It's not
7: all tonight. Right now, I'm feel I'm feeling being. Well, and then I can well, no, I'm I can not trying to
6: fresh you I really not uh, you no know, you're only I'm, telling
7: me well will you try that or <laughs> that
6: Well I thought that was the idea of, uh, <laughs> of uh, no I am not no, I'm not trying to push you down
3: it, it's it's overwhelming to contemplate your own mortality I mean for any human it's overwhelming to contemplate the reality of your mortality and just how insignificant you are as a person. I think that yeah, religion Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I think that religion gives people meaning. I really do. I think it gives people meaning and I think that there's a lot of positives to it, but I also think that this like spiritual, Because mortality is so complicated to comprehend, I think that people latch on to religion because it's very easy to comprehend. It's very easy because the thing about science versus religion is that one thing we know about science is science is only ever 99.9% accurate. There is always a chance that we got it wrong. There's always a, a new study that comes out. There's always a new, you know, what we believed 150 years ago in medicine is exact opposite now, you know. We didn't even know germs existed at some point. So- Are you
2: trying to tell me it's not a good idea to drain someone of their blood and put new blood in them? Yes, yes, hmm. yeah. Hmm.
3: Yeah, keep your hobbies to yourself. Hmm. But my point is, is that I think that, I I really do think that, that people can't find comfort in science, number one, because a lot of the time it's too hard to comprehend. And number two, science doesn't give you a definitive answer a lot of the time. Most scientific answers are, all studies point to, all results point to most of the time this is the result it's never 100 percent conclusive in religion it is 100 percent conclusive if you follow these rules you get through the pearly gates
1: now you certainly don't need someone to deliberately fool you to have what seems to be a psychic experience your mind can create one all by itself let's say you you don't like to fly and you're worried about a trip you're going to take then suddenly during the flight the plane suddenly whoa drops a few thousand feet because of a downdraft You might very well choose to think that you had some kind of psychic intuition about this, but what you forget is that you've had that same queasy feeling every time you've gotten on an airplane, and if it doesn't fulfill itself, you forget about it. You see, the brain is constantly searching for relationships. It's trying to work out cause and effect so we can know what to expect in our lives. That's natural. The brain is very good at this, but it does make mistakes. And one way to explain these mistakes is by some kind of psychic explanation.
0: Now, Johnny Carson, as we mentioned, was a cultural phenomenon at the time. Um, Also, he was a former magician, so he was aware of a lot of the tricks that people were pulling now. And he did like the work of James Randi for this reason. Johnny Carson could not go out and call people frauds. He was not of that place, but he can use James Randi. So one of the things that Johnny Carson did... um, was he he had Yuri Geller come on the show and Yuri Geller was a, a superstar in nineteen seventy two and he had James Randy pretty much set it up where Yuri Geller's props were real and not magician props and had Yuri Geller try to perform these acts on stage on live television with Johnny Carson sitting right next to him and guess what? Nothing was working. So he did Pull that out of Johnny Carson. Then he went on Barbara Walters, Uri Geller was, and he bent a, a key for Barbara Walters. And then James Randi followed that, did the same trick, bent the key, as, and he explained what exactly happened.
1: Much to my surprise, the Tonight Show episode didn't have much effect on Uri Geller's career. Neither did the book that I wrote about him. Why people are so drawn to the irrational is something that has always puzzled me.
0: Regardless of Yuri Geller being shown that he is a false prophet, he is lying to the public, the, the public did not care. It did not hurt his career whatsoever. He still was this huge icon. So what is the next step for someone like James Rennie, a skeptic, uh, when you prove someone has been a fraud and yet the, the public doesn't care and the public still has a huge demand And wants to support him. So in essence, what is the backlash of giving people truth and realizing they prefer and desire lies?
3: I can imagine this only made him more passionate about exposing liars. <laughs> this only enraged him more. I mean, this this is the kind of stuff that pushes people to the point of obsession. And the unfortunate thing about the general public is the general public only cares when it's popular to care. So if, if it's popular to love him, they're going to love him. And the minute that it's popular to say this dude's a fuck up, they're going to say this dude's a fuck up. Like, and he and there it wasn't popular. You know, this wasn't a, the popular opinion was that he was a, he was a magic magician with superpowers.
1: Geller was on the Tonight Show, and and Randy had helped uh, Johnny set it up such that he would not be able to perform his tricks. It sure looked like that was the end of Geller's career. Over, done, three strikes and you're
0: out,
7: gone. No, two days later he's on the Merv Griffin Show. And all I'm saying is bend. 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 Okay, look. Can you see it? I mean, it's bent, you know. That is Now, a what very happens, key. it's, a, it's a, an energy that leaves my mind, nothing to do with my finger. Penetrates the metal and alters the molecular structure. Now, instead of bend, I say to the broken watches work. One, two, three, work! Work! Just a second. It's working. Oh my goodness, See? it's working. I'm sorry, does Your mother's watch is working. Is that like a miracle?
0: And let's break it down just real quick, just so... Yuri Geller was a tall, handsome man, soft-smoking... Easily digestible to easily the masses. Easily digestible to the masses. James Randi... Was not. Was not. Total creep fest. A little bit... Oh, okay. Well, I mean, we could say... T- yeah, okay. He, he, <laughs> it, it,
2: James Randi was not. I mean, that's the scientific term, Kevin.
7: <laughs> First of all, I, I was born with this when I was four years old. I was eating soup... And that's four years old. And suddenly the spoon started bending in my hands. But
0: can I say that that is a huge factor on why people chose
2: Geller, even though he was a liar, over? Look at Joel Osteen. Mm -hmm. Look at that guy. Look at those, look at those teeth that he has, that huge, dumb smile. I mean, it's like all that stuff is part of it. The big, huge pinky ring, the $6,000 suits that guy he wears. It is all about getting people to buy into what you're saying. It's an old, it's, it's an old saying where it's like the, the clothes make the man. That's exactly it. That's exactly it You dress the part You dress the way You want people to see you And unfortunately By this time How old was uh, James? He was like He was like almost 55 Close to Yeah, yeah. He's, he's pushing And on top of that too 55 back in those days They looked a lot worse Than they did back then I yes. mean they looked old You know So yes. so I mean it, So so you have this guy Talking, talking about this Young good looking dude Probably making A couple of teenagers Hearts swoon And then he comes in there And just shits on their parade They're like Well wait a minute I was having fun Believing in bent spoons Now I'm just
1: going to begin and stroking this spoon, and you're going to see something mysterious happen. You know, a psychic who at one time was doing this sort of trick is no longer doing it because every 12-year-old magician has learned how to do it. And Miguel, not too tightly, very lightly, please, just very lightly. It used to be done a great deal, but now the magicians and the kids are doing it too.
3: What it basically boils down to is, like, in that high school situation where the nerd's like, this jock gave me a wedgie, and everyone's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like- right. They don't care it's right. they're not interested in it. By
0: 1982, James Randi, he, he would not let this Uri Geller thing go. Uri Geller's career for 10 years has been extremely popular. The guy's a millionaire at this point. Um, James Randi wrote a novel depicting Uri Geller as a fraud, and so now Geller sued him. So Geller sues James Randi. However, Geller's suit was eventually dropped, and Geller had to pay all the legal fees for Randi because there was not a depiction of fraud in the book.
7: Concentrate? Believe, one, two, three, work! Now, be quiet, very gently, open your hands. If you have a second hand, look at it, is it moving? If you don't have a second hand, very slowly and gently put it up to your ear and listen. Did it start ticking? Shh! Did it. Later on, check the house appliances. Do not stick them in the electricity if they're dangerous. But if anything with battery that was broken is working, I would very much like you to call and let us know. Now, if, you, if nothing happened to you, don't be disappointed because it doesn't happen to everyone and it doesn't happen all the time. And the last thing I want to say that I didn't do this It wasn't my power that flew through the airways out from your television sets. No, I was a trigger. Even Randy can do this. You can do it. Everyone can do this. Because if you trigger some kind of a power within you, it will work. So I really want to know what happened. Please call us. Thank you very
0: much. However, Randy was seen again as someone... Of a bad guy in the whole process of this, which is the strange thing. So he stepped away from the psychics, he stepped away from the people being possessed by other people for a moment, and he focuses himself on things that were happening in the mid 80s, and that is the evangelical faith healers, which was a big business at the time.
8: Take this
1: During the 1980s, I entered a world that I found filled with fantasy and rife with abuse. The world of faith healing. I developed a special interest in a television evangelist named Peter
8: Popoff. God told me, he said, you smite that cancer with your fist.
1: At the time, Popoff was pulling in nearly four million dollars a year, healing people on his miracle crusades.
8: You've got cancer of the stomach? Are you ready for God to burn that cancer out? Here it goes in the mighty... Devil, back off. Back off, devil! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! preachers would
0: touch people and say they're healing them with the power of Jesus, these people would fall down, and a lot of these people have terminal conditions and serious conditions that need medical help, and by doing that, they think they don't have to see doctors, and a lot of them die a lot faster. In the process, these people are paying these faith healers with a lot of money. So um, Randy went directly at one by the name of Peter Popoff.
7: think her cancers are gone now? Yes, I believe that, because God never lies, and we stand in his word. Praise the Lord.
8: I tell you from now on you're going to have a song of victory in your heart. Amen.
0: Peter Popoff and his wife would have thousands of people in a tent. Will the power of Jesus to heal these people and in the process make millions of dollars in donations. To his followers Popoff seemed to have
1: divine powers.
8: Is it Gould? Alice Gould?
1: He knew their names.
8: Stand up Alice
1: as well as the afflictions they'd come to cure.
8: God is touching that thyroid condition right now. God is touching your nerves right now. God is touching your eyes. Just lift up your hands, get ready, here it comes.
1: He also knew the personal details of their lives.
8: Going to hear good news from Charles before everything is over. I'll tell you, he's going to be completely delivered because of your prayers, because of your faith. Here it comes, complete healing in Jesus, whoo, mighty name. Right now, right now, right now. Amen. It's all right to praise the Lord.
1: I suspected that Papa's revelations were other than divine.
0: Let's let's stop right there for a second. Why do people feel comfortable and believe in someone like Peter? Pop off because it's the
2: easy solution. It's all okay. So I can either pay all this money and and to the hospitals and to the doctors and go to go to meeting and go to surgery after surgery after surgery. Or I can let this guy who's real close buddies with JC just go ahead and brush his finger across my face. And now all of a sudden I'm cured.
3: Well, and a lot of these people don't have medical options anymore. A lot of these people that go see faith healers are at the end of their rope. I mean, to, to understand terminal illness and go through it with a family member, you understand there, there comes a point when you're willing to, to do, do just about anything. And this is when a lot of these people are at that point. Because doctors will tell you the truth. They have to, or else they could lose their license. So they'll tell you it's a 25% chance you're going to survive this surgery. Meanwhile, Peter Popoff's going 100%. Do
4: you support Peter's ministry financially?
3: Mm-hmm. Every dime I can- Man, yeah.
4: What brings
5: you here today? Well, I'm expecting a miracle, physical healing.
2: People are much more obsessed with feeling better than reality. They just want to feel better about the situation. And, and as long as they've talked themselves into their own brain that this is this is the place to be, this is the path that I should go down, it's, it's very hard to break them of that. It's, it's just the conviction that they give themselves. It's It's, it's sad almost. It's sad in so many ways. <laughs>
1: Needless to say, my message isn't always popular. My friend Ray Hyman is a psychologist, and he has an idea why.
5: We seem to be uh, taken as we're taking something away and not giving something in return. And these people want something. They're looking for something. And I think we have to understand what is it they're searching for.
0: Where does like supply and demand from the, the general public take accountability for a con man that is, is in a lot of ways, giving people hope and letting them die and taking their money. I guess, where is the accountability for the public?
3: A lot of these people, to me, display a lot of the behaviors that cult leaders do. And I think, unfortunately, we cannot hold the public accountable for somebody who is given the God-given gift of being uh, criminally charismatic, because that's what these people are. They are criminally charismatic. They have the ability to convince people of anything. So I don't think the responsibility is on the people consuming it. I think the responsibility is on the person who, in fact, has convinced himself or herself so much that they can do this, that they believe it, and they are now selling, you know, Kool-Aid. You know, like, they're just getting everybody to take a sip because they believe it 100%. Other ways of I have never said these sensing. things have not happened. Why don't I have you ne- read the papers and correct yourself? Oh, they, they hust-
1: People
4: think they wrong. believe what they choose to believe. We don't. We mostly believe what we need to believe. No, I you say Uri Gill is specific. a fake. No. You came here and you've given never. everybody a lot of lip never. service no, 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 really. and you haven't done anything. You We're going for a no commercial break. break and you can piss That's off. So we'll be back with Diana The public
1: really doesn't listen when they are being told straightforward facts. They would rather accept what some charismatic character tells them than really think about what the truth might be. I
8: tell you, from now on, you're going to have a song of victory in your
2: heart! They'd rather have the romance on the lies. I'm pretty sure if any of us met that piece of shit Peter Popoff, we'd be like, wow, what a nice guy. It's just what he brings to the table.
3: He's super, I uh, guarantee he's charming, he's charismatic. We'd probably walk away from the conversation going, well, you know. He can't be that big of a
0: snake. And James Randi obviously, you know, was appalled by this. So he was like, I need to get this guy off the table. So he devised a plan because he saw that Peter Poffup was wearing an earpiece in his ear. And at, at the time he thought maybe that it was like hard of hearing, but then he realized, no, somebody's talking to him. It's a transmitter. A transmitter, exactly. So they found a frequency that Peter Popoff was using it, and the other person on the other side was his wife. And what they would do is that people would send in information cards to them with all their information, their address, their name, you know, all that stuff and what they were looking for. So in that transmitter, his wife would read and Popoff would sell. She would tell them all the information he needs, and it would look like he came up with it on the spot, like Jesus spoke to him for these people. Now, Randy recorded this. On both sides of the wife and Peter Popoff saying it to the audience, and he exposed Peter Popoff on The Johnny Carson Show in 1986.
4: Hello,
8: Petey. Can you hear me? If you can't, you're in trouble. Popoff was
1: being prompted by his wife through a wireless earpiece
8: John? Dearly Johnson.
1: She'd gotten her information from prayer cards filled out by the faithful before the show began.
5: She's about to get rid of the
8: walker. You want to get rid of this walker, sister? Oh, glory. How long have you been walking on that walker? About three years. Three years? She was at 1627 10th Street. 1627 10th Street? Is that right? That's right she has arthritis all over Woo! burning this arthritis right out of your body take a few steps just to make the devil mad hallelujah that's it just move around a little bit there she goes just walk with me oh glory to god she's not going to need that walker anymore god's just putting new strength new health burning that arthritis out of her body just keep going Hallelujah.
1: I was able to arrange for another broadcast of the Miracle Crusade on The Tonight Show. But this time, the wireless prompting was included. In 1987, Peter Popoff declared bankruptcy.
8: Greater is he! Greater is he!
0: Peter Popoff went bankrupt in 1987 because of this. So James Randi did have a temporary win. However, regardless of this exposing him, Peter Popoff came back with the same name and he started selling infomercials of faith healing holy water. And he made $23 million within a year of those infomercials selling holy water. And now he started performing to large audience intents again, doing the same thing, faith healing, and the public
1: demand was still there. And the thing is, Popoff, got back into business, all he changed was he doesn't use a radio anymore. He doesn't need to.
4: He just does dumber stuff that people accept anyway.
8: This is water from the pool that the Lord himself led the Christians to during the horrible Chernobyl nuclear accident. Tens of thousands died, and yet every Christian was miraculously spared.
0: I mean, people hate being told they are stupid and what's a belief. People hate it. Right. Is Randy's approach, although he's exposing fraud and swaying uh, and trying to help these people from con men is his approach forcing
2: them to believe in nothing. And that's why they're unwilling. That's exactly what it is. You never want to be called stupid and especially this is religion. So you've had this beaten into your head since a child. Everything you know all of a sudden is has become fake. That's going to drive you insane. There's no way you're going to take that for an answer. There's no way you're going to go, no, 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 no. I believe it in my heart, so it has to be true. It has to be true. And meanwhile, James has got proof after proof after proof exposing this guy, but at the same time, this guy knows the Bible front and back. I'm sure he put out a press release saying, oh, I was wrong. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm, God gave us free will. I've made mistakes. He's forgiven me. Come on back, people. And they do, because that's the number, the number one thing in Christianity is all about forgiveness. And if you use that to the people that turn their back on you, they'll come back again.
7: There are billion believers out there. A billion people believe in God. You can't touch
8: that. There she goes! This is what Randy is trying to do. He's trying to say, this is a big hoax, and so everything else is a hoax too. He's trying to say that nothing divine is being spoken. But
3: actually, our ratings are up. I would, I would disagree with the forgiveness thing because evangelical Christians do not believe in forgiveness. It's a different—it's more towards the Roman—I grew up Mormon Catholic, and what I can tell you about growing up in, in a hyper-religious community, people that take their religion very seriously, There, anything that denounces your religion or could go to tell you that it's false is work of the devil. You don't even think— you don't even it doesn't even cross your mind that they might be right because you're like, "Oh, that's just the devil yeah. trying to whisper in my ear. I don't even need to listen to that." It doesn't even cross your mind that it might be fake. It doesn't even confuse you, it doesn't even upset you because you know exactly what it is. It's Satan, and that's mm. it. And, and that's it- what you write it off as. Of course his followers are still there because they know that James Randy is just a merchant of Satan.
1: Yeah. Were we violating laws?
0: Probably. Was it fraud in some cases? Most definitely. Did we look at it that way at the time? I don't think any of us did
2: because we thought the ends justified the means.
7: Deception has so many layers. I mean, you have the zenith of deception and people go to jail for that. But then you have magicians, they manipulate the truth. They are in the business of deceiving people.
2: And, and the sad thing is, though, is when you throw the devil into the mix. Uh, that's been mankind's enemy since the dawn of time. And every single religious text, there's a devil. You know, uh, there's a devil waiting to get you if you don't follow these rules. Is James Randi, in a way, taking
0: on the role of Satan or a devil by trying to sell people to believe in
2: nothing? To them, yes. To the to the, to the angelicals, yes. To, evangelicals, yes. Evangelicals, yes.
3: To James Randi, Peter Popoff is the devil.
2: Yeah. Yes, to, to
0: James Rennie, and that's what we're talking about. So, like, if you're a Republican, Michael Moore is your devil, right? Right. Absolutely. If you're a liberal, you know... Trump is your Trump de- is yeah. your devil. So, we as a society, we choose to believe in what fits what? Our narrative. Our narrative and our personality, so it's a selfish form.
2: But I was wondering what he thought about the claims that uh, this was sort of an unethical way of carrying out this experiment and whether or not it's gonna affect the scientific community and the parapsychologists negatively.
1: I'm happy to say that the uh, president of the Parapsychological Association described it as a magnificent experiment that needed to be done and from which the results of may benefit everybody, and I think that's what we headed out to do. We there. also should point out
6: that the director of that program thought it was a very lousy thing to do. Oh, no. He uh, it was quoted as saying that you probably set back the study of it and that it re- really... If
1: Phillips said that, then my answer to my having set back the study of parapsychology is no. They tried to set it back. I brought it into the 20th century. Is this why James Randi doesn't seem to get anywhere, because he's not
2: taking into account... That life has a selfish form. He sounds like the type of guy that's black and white. Mm-hmm. And if you, he are... doesn't understand people. Exactly, he doesn't understand people. He just understands facts. And unfortunately, in order to get through to the people, there has to be a gray area to maneuver in. And but he's just like, no. But here's the facts. Here's the facts. Here's the facts. They need to find that one thing that they can relate to, and he's just not providing it to them because reality. They don't want to relate to reality. They want to relate to the fact that there's a guy in the sky and he's making good things. Happen.
3: What, what Peter Popoff has that James Randi doesn't have is the ability to, he either has or has the ability to ex- expertly mimic empathy. And James Randi doesn't have empathy, he only has. Uh, like you said, it's black and white and it's facts. And when you, you can, there's a, there's a tone of voice there, the way you present yourself, the way you speak about things. Peter Popoff's always going to seem more reasonable because he's going to be speaking with what seems like empathy. Mm-hmm. He's going to be speaking from a place that seems like, I understand what you're going through. I know that people have problems. And meanwhile, James Randi's over here. Like you're a liar. You're a piece of shit. You're a liar. And everyone's like, what's wrong? He's, yeah, but wait, this guy's nice just trying to, me. to help. This guy's like, trying
2: to nice. He's just, he's just a nice guy. What do you, what's his problem? Why, why is he so mean? He has a mission out there in the world
1: as the amazing Randy. But it's compassion. People don't know how much he cares when he sees someone in distress. And it's not just on a social level, but also on a personal level.
0: And James Randy is profiting off books. He wrote a book called Faith Healers. He wrote a book about Yuri Geller. He's making money at exposing these people. So in a lot of ways, his tr- racket of truth is a financial gain for him as well. Well, because now, he
2: was the first one to do it. There were probably people outside yeah. of Randy that wanted this to happen for years. There were probably people that got kicked out of their families that have been waiting for James Randy to come along. And oh my God, finally, there's somebody that made it to the mainstream that can expose these frauds.
3: Well, think of the people that walked in that tent and didn't get healed. Yes. Think of the, the there's, for every one person that 100% believes they've been healed, there is somebody whose mother died the next day. And, and guess what?
2: And those people that had their moms die the next day, they they still won't believe in James Randi. They'll go, it's God's plan, it's what they wanted.
3: Some of them, but I think some of them probably were the ones buying James Randi's book. Gramps
1: was one who would wipe away bits of chewing gum on a park bench because someone may sit in it, he'd explain. Quite unnoticed, he'd pick up and replace a hat that had fallen from a clothing rack in a restaurant. A piece of wire protruding from the fence at the playground would be bent back out of the way by my granddad. I learned a lot from him watching him as he performed this part of his life. Now, Grandpa wasn't a caretaker or a watchman of any kind. He worked as an electrician. He wasn't employed to pick up after people or to ensure their safety, but was nonetheless getting enormous satisfaction from his small contribution.
0: Religion is a belief. Skepticism is a belief. So we are really going into a realm belief of versus belief. belief versus belief and trying to change beliefs. Correct? And you can't change a belief for someone that's not willing to listen. And that's something that we don't... I'm not sure if James Randi quite grasps that at this stage in his, his career, 1986. So by 1988, he has a new approach that he wants to try. He wants to prove to the world that these people are frauds, but
1: by tricking the world first. A lot of people hate my skepticism, and I think I understand why. The psychics offer wonder and endless possibilities in a world that often seems difficult and mundane. They promise health, wealth, wisdom, eternal life. But if you examine the record, it's not the psychics, but the hard-nosed scientists who have actually delivered the things that improve human life. And to me, science describes a world far more interesting than any psychic fantasies. It's a good world, not perfect, but it's ours. So we better learn to live with it the way it is.
0: Follow my co-host Brandon gooch Han on Twitter and Instagram at YourBuddyGooch and Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Rise to Offend, and on Instagram at RiseToOffendOfficial. And make sure to listen to us every Monday on the Metal Sucks podcast on MetalSucks.net. Email us comments, questions, errors we may have made or any figure you would like us to cover, rise to offend at gmail.com. Follow and discover the works of the amazing Randy James Randy by going to randyrandi.org. Watch the documentary on James Randy entitled An Honest Liar and search for the Nova episode Secrets of the Psychics. And also, discover many of his lectures on YouTube simply by searching James Randi. Also, if you're interested in the other players in this story, find information on Yuri Geller by going to yurigeller.com and Peter Popoff at peterpopoff.org. Thank you all so much for the reviews on iTunes. These five star reviews are helping this show grow, is all we can ask from you guys. It truly means the world that you take the time to listen and review the show. For all the listeners out there, just want to give you a heads up. We are now on Spotify, and we want to thank you guys for all your support to get us to that platform. Until next week, repeat offenders. Thank you so much. RTO Podcast, signing off.